What is this? A new teaching with authority. At once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. She was the youngest of nine children, and the family worked as sharecroppers for a white family in Hallsboro, North Carolina, with her father earning just a nickel an hour. Her mother died when she was six years old, and she found herself raising two daughters alone after having the courage to leave an abusive husband so poor that she clothed them in flour sacks and rice bags. She found her purpose as she joined Operation Breakthrough, funded by the North Carolina Fund. She demanded engagement. She recalled once how when a city council member in his rolling chair had spun and turned his back to her. She flipped him around, drew her umbrella, pulled him close, and demanded that he work with her to get the problem before them solved. Anne Atwater became a fierce civil rights advocate and activist. He grew up poor, with his father, as he described it, working like a dog in the textile mills. And his father drank to excess. He described the embarrassment of finding his dad at home, passed out on the porch, the grip that alcohol had in their life. He didn't finish high school and went to work at the local gas station. And C.P. Ellis said that when he became a member of the Ku Klux Klan, he felt like he was finally somebody. And on July 19, 1971, the Durham Save Our Schools Charette, a federally mandated forum designed to open lines of communication concerning the desegregation of the Durham public schools began. Bill Riddick, a community organizer, convinced C.P. Ellis, head of the local KKK, and Ann Atwater, the chair of the United Organization for Community Improvement and an outspoken activist for the poor to come together and co-chair the charrette. What strange headlines. KKK grand cyclops and civil rights activist co-chair school desegregation efforts. And their fame spread throughout the surrounding region. Today, in Mark's Gospel, we hear a quick vignette in Mark's drumbeat of immediacy 
already in rapid succession in Mark's gospel, Jesus has been baptized in the Jordan River where the sky is rent and the Holy Spirit comes into him. He's gone out into the wilderness and been tempted by Satan. He's called the first messengers of the kingdom of God in Simon and Andrew and James and John. Those messengers move from the banks of the sea to a space for public prayer and teaching in the synagogue. And it is there on the Sabbath that we hear that Jesus teaches with authority, that he offers a new teaching, and it leads to the spread of his fame. What is this new teaching? In short form, it's an exorcism. And at a deeper level, I'd suggest it is boundary crossing. Now, those of us gathered today may have varying degrees of comfort with the notions of exorcism. I've served in countries and contexts where, for parishioners, the sense and presence of evil spirits was palpable. And I have served in other places where it was dismissed out of hand. But here's a way we might frame the exorcism we witness today in the scriptures. An evil spirit was unclean. And something known to be unclean would never have been permitted in the synagogue. Never. First century purity codes were not just about purity per se. They were about cleanliness in an effort to avoid disease, to stave off death. What if we think of this exorcism as an example of a desire to be freed from something that causes disease, something that deforms our nature, to be free from those things that bind or constrain us. It doesn't have to be a pathogen. It could be a frame of mind, a pattern, a structure in which one is enmeshed. Put another way, this new teaching, this exorcism, is speaking into being, release for the captive, good news for the one who is bound, offering wholeness and fullness of life in the abundance of the kingdom of God. This new teaching is that the kingdom of God looks like being released from the grip of that which is death-dealing. Jesus demands all of us, our whole selves, to be freed. And from that comes his fame. The unclean spirit recognized Jesus as the, word, as, as the son of God. That unclean spirit knew who he was when others in the room did not. And we're reminded that words have power. Remember, God spoke, this is my son, the beloved, and at that speaking, Jesus was possessed 
by the Holy Spirit. Here, Jesus spoke, be silent, come out. And that Greek for be silent connotes putting a muzzle onto something. One could frame this as a transformation from impurity to purity, from being bound, being constricted by something that is death-dealing, to being freed by the power of the words that Jesus spoke. And as he speaks again and again in the Gospels, we see how Jesus brings those from the margin to the center with compassion and with a command for a powerful reordering of relationship that puts love of God with heart and mind and soul and strength, loving neighbor as self at the center. What is this? A new teaching with authority. At once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. Anne Atwater and C.P. Ellis co-chaired the Save Our Schools charrette for a fraught 10 days from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. all day, each day, arguing issues with some of what Anne called hallelujah time added in to sing gospel hymns in the evening. C.P. and Anne brought the process to fruition. Bill Riddick, the charrette organizer, asked them to talk about their own experiences of leadership on that final night of the charrette. To the shock of many, C.P. Ellis got out his clan card that night and said, if the schools will be better by me tearing this up, I'll do it. And he never went back to the Klan. He disbanded his youth Klan organizing efforts in schools and instead devoted himself to equitable education for all students. Later in his life of the charrette and ultimately of working for integration and of his friendship with Ann Atwater, Ellis said, quote, all this drastically changed my life. It changed my thinking. I just don't have hate in my heart no longer, end quote. The friendship began to work on both of us, he explained, and I haven't been the same since. In Ellis's response to the charrette and his experience and his encounter, Do you not hear echoes of Jesus' words in the synagogue? Be quiet. Come out of him. Transformation. Release. C.P. Ellis' friendship with Anne Atwater unbound him from a system that had ensnared him. One might even say possessed him. And Anne, reflecting on their 30-year friendship, said, we made it through these 30 years and we're still friends. We bonded and we're still bonded. In becoming my friend, CP lost a lot 
when he turned to say, I love Anne Atwater. CP showed me that people can learn to love. We really can be born again, but it means leaving the life we've known behind. And the news spreads of how Jesus unbinds and changes lives. Will we let ourselves have encounters with God, which by their nature feel dangerous, and yet in being spoken into reality have the possibility to transform us? Do we have the courage to be released of those things that bind us? This boundary-crossing, demon-expelling, life-giving Jesus calls forth more than just our amazement. Jesus asks for our very lives. Amen. The Chapel of the Cross is an Episcopal church in the heart of Chapel Hill and the university community. Find out more at thechapelofthecross.org. There you can find our latest news and events, connect with our pastoral care team, Faith in Action Ministries, and offer a prayer request. You can also find us on social media, on Instagram at The Chapel of the Cross, and on Facebook and Twitter at C-O-T-C Chapel Hill. May you be nourished by the word to serve in the world.